Well, here it comes. Oh, my goodness. Kick and chase by Mullins. Kick and chase again by Mullins. Welcome back to the Racing and Sports Punters Pod, where you can rely on us for a regular roll-up of rollicking wagering reliability. Jimmy Buckley with you on this Tuesday, October the 11th, just days out from the 2021 Rugby League World Cup, and it's a case of better late than never, as the international rugby league world descends on the UK to keep us amused during the NRL off-season. Joining me today to preview the ever-enticing tournament is Simon Dinopoulos. Welcome, mate. Cheers, mate. Good to be here. Pleasure to have you back in the studio. And the newest member of the racing and sports team, former NRL wizard, Sam Williams. How are you, mate? Good, mate. The uh, introduction I got last time was much better than that, but uh, <laughs> obviously we're working backwards. Yeah, but no, we were trying to pull you in with that first introduction. <laughs> uh, mate, first things first, before we get into... Any of the on-field action, and Sam, I might throw to you on this, what is doing with the Australian jersey numbers? Yeah, it's a disgrace, isn't it? It's a, uh, I still cannot believe that they've sat in a meeting and come up with this idea that we'd have... Who da- says yes to these things? Who says Daily Cherubin's wearing two? Honestly, I just, I'm a traditionalist at the best of times, I, I really, you know, I, I really do like the tradition of the game and, and sports in general, um... I think the numbers in rugby league is great. You know, if you're a casual viewer, you sit down and you see who's wearing seven and six and nine and you know who's playing what position. But for Cherry Evans to run out in a, in a jersey like number two, for those casual casual viewers and that, they're, they're just going to be lost straight away. I think it's an absolute disgrace. Well, Big Rig and Camel Gillard at six. <laughs> <laughs> they talk about ball playing props. They've taken it to another level here with Regan. But I, who honestly sat in that room? and said, this is a good idea. And why? I don't understand. Why are they doing it? See, I, I don't mind the the English system of and how it used to be in the NRL or ARL back in the day where we, you know, it was 1 through to 40 in your squad number so everyone could relate to the player. Generally, your 1 to 17 was going to be your, um, you know, the first round, the team in the first round. But at least you knew that if they were wearing a 2 or a 5, they were a winger. Um, six or a seven year half, but this way it's just completely all ends up. It's a strange one, Sammy. I must admit, I, I didn't realise this was happening until you told me about it, and I thought it was a G up first and foremost. But uh, no, apparently it's happening. So there you go. Daily Cherry Evans out on the wing, Regan Campbell Gillard playing five eighth. <laughs> That'll throw Italy and Scotland. Look, just a quick run through, and unsurprisingly, here Australia. Firm $1.50 favourites to win the tournament with Neds. Ahead of New Zealand at $4.50. The only two sides in single figures. Uh, it goes out from there. England $11. Samoa $12. Tonga $13. Fiji $41. And then Papua New Guinea $101. Boys, just at you didn't, first You didn't glance, want to mention the price of Greece? <laughs> Sorry, mate. They didn't actually make the cut in my list here. 700, far, yeah, 750 to 1. I reckon that's unders. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. I mean, Sam, is there anything in that market that, that stands out to you or is that sort of fairly stock standard, do you think? Yeah, look, we'll go through a few reasons why maybe as, as the show goes on a little bit. But um, 
Samoa, depending on how the the team can hold together, how um, you know their depth in that side's probably your main one in key key positions. But you, know, you get eleven dollars around them, they they win a um, a semi final, you know, get through, maybe get a crack at Australia in a big game or something. You just never know. It's the kind of tournament where one of these stacked Pacific Island teams could could get a big dog in a big game on any given day and throw up a bit of a surprise result. Yeah, i got to say, pretty happy to see them pledge their allegiance to uh, such as Samoa, the Pacific Island nations, because I think if we are going to grow the game and we want to continue to do that into the future, you need uh, their star players to play uh, for Samoa. And obviously the big discussion around should they be eligible to play Origin as well, I don't see why they can't play both. You can be from two different areas. You can be a New South Welshman and be from Samoa. I don't understand why it's so hard to comprehend. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. They've been drawn in the group of death. Well, yeah, the Greeks are in there. <laughs> group A. So England, Samoa, France and Greece make up Group A, of course. There's four groups and the top two will go through to the quarterfinals from each group. And just a few names here in that Samoan team. It's fairly impressive. Simo, your favourite uh, is in there, Jerome Luai. Sean Rudder with a bit of flair. That's right. Now he gets his chance to play for Samoa. We've got Josh Papali'i, of course, uh, Junior Paulo, his ex-Camber Raiders teammate in there. Brian To'o, fresh off his uh, premiership winning performance there for the Penrith Panthers. You've got the likes of Joseph Suwali, who is a star in the making, if he's not there already. Plenty of NRL experience when you run through that team. Are they kind of like the Tonga, I suppose, of five years ago, Sam, do you think? Yeah, I think there's no doubt. I think there's... The the big thing for Samoa is that the drive to win, and I think the opportunity for some of these senior players, Josh Papali'i, Junior Paulo, these sort of players who probably don't get another opportunity in the position they are at the moment. Their body weight's always spoken about, but they'll be four years older, um, or three years if it, if it runs in the calendar, and I just think that this is their chance to be able to really make a name for themselves and play for their country and play with pride. And we all know what, what players like Junior and, and Big big Pups can do when they want to um, want to be switched on and really want to dedicate themselves to it. And I know the Samoan tour there a few years ago when it was back over in England, it didn't go well. Uh, they probably took it a little bit lighthearted, to be honest. Um, this time they're switched on. And I know that they've got players who are keen to, to do well and represent, and I just think that that's their big key. They've got a really good front row. They've got depth in the outside backs. How the halves clicks the big one, how they how they come together, how quickly they can come together, that's the big one for me. Uh, and the other one is just a little bit of depth in the back row, how that all comes to, comes together. I think there's some, you know, the starting back row are, are decent players uh, without being exceptional, but after that there's probably not the same sort of depth that some of the bigger nations have. They play England first up, Simon. Now, England are actually $2.35 outsiders with Neds for that game. Samoa, $1.58 over there. What do you make of this market? I suppose it's tied fairly closely uh, to the futures market. So Samoa, third pick, and England, a fifth pick behind Tonga. So I think it's a pretty straight line to draw. Uh, they think Samoa are a better chance of winning the whole tournament. And if that being the case, you know, you'd mark them favourite against England. Whether or not the gap between the two should be as big as it is, I thought England didn't have too bad a squad, but talking to Sam Pree, he said they're hopeless and <laughs> no, no. all those all those ex-Raiders and current Raiders in the English squad have got... What did you say, Elliot Whitehead's too slow? or I can't remember. It's too old, too slow. <laughs> it's a... Uh, what I did say was my big question mark with England was I think 
12 months ago, maybe even two years ago, I think they really had the side to, to compete. I think you saw players like Elliot Whitehead. Um, uh, the big out for them, for me, is Josh Hodgson not being there. I know that they've had some good players, but even players like James Roby, I think that a couple of years ago, they really had a, a, the side and the team and everyone was in the top peak form for them. That's the big one for me, is have they missed the boat a little bit? Obviously playing at home though, you're playing at home in front of your own fans, these sort of players, they've dreamt for this, they're a very proud nation and up there in the north of England they're very proud of where they're from, so playing at home, you know, they'll be there to turn it on but there is a few question marks about some of the younger players and and first up in some of these big games. Do we give France a chance at all of uh, advancing in this group or is it fairly straightforward in terms of somewhere in England probably going through? Yeah, I'd say you'd be pretty surprised if the French were able to topple one of those two to get through. So you're off Greece, is what you're telling me. Well, I assume they're going to win the whole thing. (laughs) Saloon passage. You know, I was surprised my brother didn't get a call-up for the Greek team. He hasn't played for four years, but looking at that squad, he was half a chance to make it. A couple of niggles, I think. Yeah. Probably ruled him out. Just held him back a bit. Now, Group B, this is where you find the tournament favourites, Australia, up against Fiji, Scotland and Italy, I mean, this is a fait accompli, I would have thought, gentlemen, in terms of the two that go through here. Yeah, the big one is how many points Australia wins by. They're all games there. They're, they're going to put some big score lines on. They're extremely a good side. A lot of these players have played together early on in the in the, um, in the the tournament. The big thing is they've probably got a little bit of time to work out with, especially playing in the halves. For me, Nathan Cleary... I was going to say, where's the seven jersey? <laughs> he won't be wearing seven jersey. <laughs> I think Nathan Cleary plays halfback. I just reckon that defensively he's such a good defensive half on top of what he does. But what it will do, these three games, is going to give them a little bit of time to be able to click. Give give um, Cleary and Munster, um, Tedesco, these sort of players a bit of time to click. And, and I think that's the, the real advantage of Australia's draw. The big games come in the back end. But yeah, I, I think that Cleary plays in the halves and... and Probably DCA misses out. Pretty good side, actually, Fiji. When I say that, I mean that there's plenty of NRL experience when you run through the side there. Wonga Blake, uh, Viliami Kikau, Epikorosau is in that team. The Saifidi brothers, Kevin Aguama. There's plenty of names in there that know what they're doing. Probably don't quite have the depth, I would have thought, of Samoa or Tonga. But having said that, Simon, it certainly should be enough then to get them over the line v Scotland and Italy. Yeah, they've got a lot of uh, household names, the Fiji squad, a lot of crowd favourites. Uh, if they get the Sevo chant going over there, that's something to uh, something to witness in itself. And yeah, you'd imagine, you'd like to think they all go through. I mean, for the tournament's sake, you want, I think, all the Pacific Island teams to get through uh, the group stages and into the semis. And as Sam touched on, it means a lot to them to play for the country. Not saying it doesn't mean a lot for our players to play for Australia, but you just get that sense, the fact they have chosen uh, their home nation. It's a big deal. And Certainly looking forward uh, to see how they progress through those stages. And I think Fiji might have actually made the last three straight World Cup semi-finals as well. Yeah, I'm a little bit sceptical on them this year, to be honest. I think that their side that they had last World Cup was a lot better. Um, some of the players, Tarek Sims, obviously, you know, then the Sims brothers, missing them is massive. And they've got a couple of good big wingers, but I tell you what, I reckon they're losing a lot of experience from the from the last World Cup. And for me, I think they're going to going to struggle. Um, I think you mentioned forty one dollars or thereabouts for them. Uh, you honestly, if anyone had a dollar at that at forty ones, they're kidding themselves. <laughs> There's not a chance in the world they win this World Cup. Group C: New Zealand, the second favourites, Lebanon, Jamaica, and Ireland. I mean, New Zealand have clearly drawn the easiest group here. Are we? 
expecting, Sam, maybe some, some pretty heavy score lines in the group games here? Yeah, I think so. And once again, I think there's probably a real opportunity for them to, to try and gel as a team and spend some time. And like a lot of these sides, there hasn't been much international football over the last few years. COVID obviously knocked a couple of years on the head and there hasn't been any big major tournaments. So I think they're going to spend these these first few games really trying to gel and try and get some continuity within the side. But it's a really good side. There's um, there's plenty of experience there. And look, if there's a side that's that's ever going to touch Australia, for me, um, the Kiwis are the one. It's you know it comes down to probably that that final. And I still think that you know they get there and they play Australia. But Samoa is the other one. But you know I think there's a there's a pretty handy side within this Kiwis team. I reckon it's going to be a massive World Cup for Joey Manu. I think every time we see Tedesco out and he gets a run at fullback, he is an out-and-out superstar, and we get to see him now at the World Cup. I think big, big World Cup for him, and interesting to see, obviously, Dylan Brown. I think playing with Jerome Hughes is massive, very similar to playing outside Mitch Moses. He's going to be let loose and able to run. I think Brandon Smith had a quiet end of the year. I think his head was in other places already at the Roosters, but expect another big World Cup from him. And (laughs) Nelson Asafa-Solomona, was the form forward at the back end of the year, and he'll want to carry that through to the World Cup. They've got a lot of flair, uh, the New Zealand team, and, yeah, I certainly think they can give us something to think about, and massive to see uh, Seb Chris get a run too from the Raiders. Yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. I mean, how do you reckon some of these Lebanon and Jamaican boys and, and Irish boys are going to be sleeping? You run through this this Kiwi forward pack. You've got the likes of Asafa Solomona, as you've mentioned. The Bromwich brothers, James Fisher-Harris is in there. You've got Isaiah Papali'i. Joseph Tapanay, the best prop in the world at the moment, potentially. Jared Warrior Hargraves. I mean, that's a that's a pretty decent pack, Sammy. I mean, I'm starting to think that maybe they can give the Aussies a pretty significant run for their money. I tend to agree. I think it's a wonderful lineup. Um, we mentioned the halves there. I think that half, halves pairing could be as good as anything in this World Cup. You know, they offer so much across the board. They've got some good experience there. They've got some good depth there. I think at times there's probably been around Stacey Jones sometimes, you know, trying to get that really solid halves pairing within the Kiwi side. But the, what they've got there now and what they've got to build on for a long time with a couple of, you know, young halves, I think that they're they're a real side on the up. And, you know, I really look forward. I'd, I'd love to see Australia and the Kiwis play in the final because I think, you know, if you're getting the, the $4.50 around the Kiwis at the moment, you, you won't get that come match day. And I still think that they're going to get through to the final quite easily. Any lean at all on Lebanon or Ireland as the second side to progress there? Yeah, well, I think Ireland's probably another side who I don't think are as strong as they have been in some of the previous years. Uh, once again, I think the last World Cup, they had a little bit more depth. I think they're, they were a better side then. I think they might struggle. Lebanon, they just don't have enough quality across the park. It's great to see them there. They, they'll make up the numbers. But they're, you know, even the last World Cup, uh, I think they had a better side. And I don't know if this is because some you know, some of the Australian-born Lebanese players that were playing playing in Australia, um, it was easier for them to commit to, but I don't see them being able to, to compete with some of these sides. Group D, Tonga, Papua New Guinea, Wales and the Cook Islands. Once again, we've got a clear top two here in Tonga and Papua New Guinea. One interesting thing I'd like to draw your attention to here, boys, is the opening game between Tonga and Papua New Guinea. Tonga currently a dollar four, and PNG paying $10.50. And the line in that opening game, Tonga minus 27.5. And I just thought that maybe that might be a little bit of a stretch. I think PNG are, are always a pretty strong side. They usually give a pretty good account of themselves. They're certainly not a fun team 
to line up against. And I just thought that maybe they could throw a bit of a cat amongst the pigeon boys. What do you reckon? It's a big line for an opening game of the World Cup. This is the one they're going to be really, really jazzed up for. Big lines are always hard for me because it's similar to backing a horse to win by a certain amount of lengths. They're not in the race to win by that margin, so they're not trying to get the line. And first game, if it's really tight, they're not going to be too concerned about putting a big score on. So, yeah, you'd like to think you back the teams with the plus in that scenario. Sam, what do you think? Is this PNG side maybe a team that they could potentially advance through to, say, a semi-final in this tournament? It's probably one of the more interesting ones. Uh, the big one for for the Tongan society is, is um, have they ridden the wave? Has that sort of last few years of success, has it helped them or is it going to hinder them? Are they going to be, are they going to take that uh, little bit of uh, growth within the within the Tongan national team? Are they going to take that forward or are they going to think that it's come too easily? I think there's a lot of good players within their side. They've got, there's some good depth in the back row. I, I'm just not, I'm not convinced that they can match it with the big sides. I'm a big fan of um, of Christian Wolf, the coach. So I think that's a really big tick. Um, they've got a big forward pack. They've got some depth in the centres. Uh, for me, uh, um, Amon and Lola here in this in the halves. Lola here had a really good season over in the Super League. He played really well, but he's going to have to steer this side wearing wearing the seven. And, and Amon only had one real season of first grade. For him to be able to go over here and try and do what he what he was, you know, at times capable of in the NRL, but to go and do this against the big sides, that's the big one for me. Also, the depth around that halves combination and the hookers. I just got some question marks about where they sit right now. That being the case, uh, I think I'd be very tempted to take that plus 27.5 about Papua New Guinea as uh, maybe a bit of an opening bet for the tournament. Final thoughts then, boys. How do we play this from a punting perspective? My initial thoughts there would be maybe you back New Zealand now at $4.50 and then you wait till the final and then you lay off against the Aussies and you're probably going to probably going to make a bit of coin there but uh, but do you guys have a lean either way or, or, or something that stands out to you the way you look at it for me is who plays australia in the final for me and what price are you going to get for the final uh, we're looking at it now australia probably plays samoa in the semi-final samoa at 11 dollars. To, to be honest you're probably playing if you want to take the 11 dollars. you probably play samoa to knock off australia in the semi and then you play them to win the final as well you're probably going to get better value i don't mind them you know, just looking at it at the eleven dollars because I think they can. But the big, the big problem being to knock off Australia and then to knock off probably the Kiwis in the final back to back. That's two massive wins to actually win the competition. To be honest, I'll probably be playing the Kiwis. Um, I think the four dollars fifty about the Kiwis is probably where where you're looking. Um, Australia's just too short for a side that hasn't played any football together for a long time and a lot of unknowns uh, and a lot of. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of things can happen in a tournament-style um, competition. So, yeah, look, for me, I'd probably work around the $4.50 with the Kiwis. Simon, will we see 100 points scored by a single team in a single game this World Cup? It's a big chance. It'd have to be a massive chance. It's a, it's talk about it's a long tail to this tournament. There's probably <laughs> there's legitimately two chances and Samoa's half a chance because, as Sam touched on, to beat to win the tournament, they've got to beat Australia and New Zealand where New Zealand won't meet Australia to the final, which is a massive advantage. So really, Australia $1.50, if New Zealand hit their full steam, go in unbeaten, you're going to get that on the final anyway. So it's a lot to risk if you want to take pre-tournament. I don't think they're going to start shorter in the final than $1.50. So 
you're better off probably waiting. If you're keen to back Australia, just wait to the final and load up on the night. One thing I will comment on about the the points, we're playing in England. You know, it's going into a dark, cold winter. It's going to be wet, it's going to be greasy. Some of them grounds, you know, they can be hard to score points on. So if we were playing in Australia in, in this time frame, I would say yes, I think we'll see it twice. If we're going to be playing in England in these conditions, you've got to take that into consideration because it will be wet and greasy and it's going to be hard to score points. We saw, I think Scotland had a draw with the Kiwis up there last time. For me, those conditions you really have to look at. So you're telling me Greece have a chance? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take the line, mate. You're getting off at 78. <laughs> there might be some huge lines to be uh, yeah. to be playing one way or another in this. Well, I've got to ask a question for Sammy because I know he doesn't rate him, but does Jack get a start on the bench in the World <laughs> Cup final? I thought we were going to Elliot there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, he, I think he does. He does, right? I think yeah. he does. I think he just offers so much. Uh, he's a born winner. The other thing, and I speak about these conditions again, he's such a strong frontal defender that you know he could rattle some cages playing in any number of positions. Um, you've really got to look at what sort of minutes your, your middles are going to play and what sort of value someone like Jacko can add, whether it's going to be five minutes or 70 minutes. Uh, for me, he ticks both boxes. He's a born rugby league player, and for me, he's got to be there. Yep. And DCE misses out. He won't play. I'm going against him. And I yep. know that the, the combination with Munster and Harry Grant and Ben Hunt. I know that that's certainly something that would be playing on Mal's mind, but I just don't think you can overlook Nathan Cleary's form and what he's done with the, with a very good team, don't get me wrong. But what he's done, and the big one is defensively, he's just such a good defensive half. He's so strong, he's a big body, he'll take the line on. For me, I just don't think you can go past Nathan Cleary playing in the halves. And the fact that they've got three effectively warm-up games is going to help too. Thank you very much, gentlemen. We certainly look forward to the Rugby League World Cup, which has finally, finally come around. It's going to be some great footy to be played and to be watched. And until then, happy punting.